Well, welcome everybody to the call. My name is Ian King and we're about to start Meet the Coaches, an informal chat with some of our coaches. This call is live and you are now being brought off mute. So if you have background noise, you can use your self-mute button, please. So we've got a fairly wide range of countries represented, as we will learn. So the first round, what I want to do is I want to just go through the coaches uh, quick bio, maybe a 30-second bio. In the second round, I want to open the floor to the opportunity for you to ask any coach any question. And what I'd suggest then in the second round will be a great opportunity for those new in the program to ask questions which would help them make decisions about whether to move further in the program. So that's second round. And then third round is any questions of any nature. So let's go with our first round. Now, I am tempted to do this just alphabetically, so there's no rhyme or reason. So just give your name, your country, your industry involvement, the level you are in the coaching program, you know, a little bit like why you got involved, how you found it so far, but we keep it to about 30 to 60 seconds. So, Barney, your first cab off the rank. Oh, hi there. Um, can you hear me, right? Certainly can. Can you hear me? I can, Barney. Okay, yep. Um, I'm actually not on the KSI program just as yet. Um, I qualified as a PT about three years ago um, and several frustrations for one reason or another, looking to kind of solidify my knowledge and not be pulled in various directions by industry trends, things like that. So just here really to learn more from the coaches. Excellent, Barney. And we've got some great dialogue that I believe you'll be having later in the call. So I'm looking forward to that. Let us go alphabetically down. David Carpentier, go ahead. Hi, I'm uh, Dave Carpentier. I'm a coach from Belgium. Um, a few years ago, I found King's Sports International. I think that is now more than uh, five years ago. Um, through the book, Get Buffed. Um, two years ago, I went to the KSI camp in uh, Salt Lake City. Um, and I really found it was amazing. And this year, I, I decided to start my level five education, so to continue my KSI uh, education, um, which started in January. And um, I actually started as a personal trainer five years ago. Excellent. Thank you, Dave. And you have your own small private studio in Belgium. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. So this bio is giving other coaches on the call an insight into your background, um, your, your journey in the KSO program and, and otherwise. So if you have any questions, then go ahead. So make sure you include your country as David did. So Barney is obviously from the UK. So Justin Kavanagh, your turn. Oh, thank you for having me on. Uh, Justin Kavanaugh. I'm originally from uh, Miami, Florida in the United States. I currently reside in uh, Washington, D.C., nation's capital. I uh, own a sports performance facility specializing in preparation for guys getting ready for the NFL Combine. So it's a very, um, it's a crash course, unfortunately, we do a lot of the mistakes made at the high school and college levels by other uh, coaches in the system. I um, you know, originally was introduced through uh, to Ian in uh, Swiss uh, many, many years ago and met him in person finally in Swiss uh, two or three years ago. Um, pretty much in my search for uh, results, basically was able to, for me to filter out the truth and then find, you know, kind of like historical, uh, where the historical fact came from. 
you know, as you guys get deeper and deeper, um, you're, you're able to find like there's somebody speaking a singular tone and not jumping around. Um, that's kind of what Ian has. Um, I think the interesting thing is, um, kind of the relationship he's had with other people that I've trusted. Um, and basically watching him put his hands on me being an athlete has made a tremendous impact, uh, immediately. And I think that's what separates people that have done it for a few minutes versus people that have been doing it for many, many years. Thank you, Justin. I'm looking forward to some of your dialogue and questions later on as well. So let's now go to Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly, next cab off the rank. Hello, my name is Mike Kelly. Uh, I'm a uh, trainer. I own a facility in Reno. I first met Ian back in the, in the late 90s. Um, I was in the distribution fulfillment business and struck a um, – training career coaching high school football in um, around 2005 um, really got involved in the KSI program uh, as a coach in um, around around 2011 or so and have been pursuing the levels ever since and uh, basically just kept my kept finding myself coming back to um, yeah the uh, the the heart of the matter with concepts and ideas that um, once I was able to, to to kind of trace the influences of the people that I thought um, were, you know, industry gurus, as it were. I kept kind of coming back to the things that I was learning from from uh, the coaches in KSI. Yeah, so Mike's got a, a very interesting story. I'm not sure, was it your brother I was first uh, was involved with it when I helped him when he came to Brisbane to play in the National Basketball League? Or <laughs> it was. was yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so um, – as it turned out, I was doing the fulfillment business and was helping the publisher. Um, I did business with the, the, the Kiyosaki group and that's how we met. And then it turned out my brother was playing for the Brisbane bullets and he didn't know a soul in, in Australia. And I met, I knew you and you were gracious enough to, to give, pick him up. Uh, I think it was from the airport actually and give him a ride. Mm-hmm to a contact place and, and he got a chance to, uh, it's actually a very funny story if we get into it, but he ended up meeting a, a an athlete that you worked with that ended up winning a gold medal, uh, at the Sydney games, um, just riding around with you. So it was very, yeah, yeah, that was our, that was, uh, that was our first real, um, sort of interaction on a non, you know, business trading business partner relationship. Yeah. So that was, that was the first contact. And then the, uh, we hired Mike's company in the late 90s to do some fulfillment for us and I gifted Mike some, some books and Mike said thank you and put them in the garage. And then, uh, and he probably tells the story better than I did, but maybe 10 years later he's learning some stuff at seminars and hold it. And he went back and opened these books he got 10 years ago and, and you know, he had a bit of a epiphany. Is, is that a fair story, Mike? That, that's uh, very accurate and it's a good summary. Yeah. I, I found myself at a, um, a seminar that, uh, touted itself as being able to, uh, perform well anyway. And, um, and, and yeah, you get, you, you gave me uh, all four get buffed books. Um, I, I embarrassingly kind of stuck my nose up at the title, um, you know, because they didn't mention some kind of trend word and that kind of thing. And, um, um, and yeah, they were, they were, they were in that box for about five years. And then, I was reading all this stuff and I found I started thumbing through the pages of, uh, of those books and was like, you got to be kidding me. This stuff was published in <laughs> the late 90s and here people were uh, repackaging it as their own in, in the mid 2000s. 
so Mike's got some great stories from multiple multiple perspectives, and um, I visited Mike also in Dunton Terminals out of his facility, met met his clients, etc. Been to a local basketball game there with him. So uh, Mike's been embedded in, in sport right throughout, and it was a great opportunity to get to his town and meet the people. Thank you, Mike. We'll come back and with, with more questions, I know. So we're going to move to Mike Keeler. Mike, take it away. Actually, actually Mike, I'm going to unmute you first. So you're, you should be live now, Mike, if you unmute yourself. Oh, that's it. Hello. You're live, Mike. <laughs> well, welcome, everyone. This is kind of a shock, but uh, uh, what, do you, what, what do you need? What are you looking for me? So, Mike, back. you're going to tell me you're going to tell me where you live, what, you, what your work and background is, and what your involvement with KSI is. Uh, I live in San Diego, California. I'm a collegiate swimming coach of women at Division One level. Uh, I got involved in KSI just from uh, continuously looking at uh, you know the material online and doing some uh, you know research. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, the various people that are out there and always coming back to Ian as being the person that's, you know, specifically interested in athlete, you know, development and, and improvement and, uh, attended a seminar up in LA that was, uh, mind blowing to say the least. Uh, and I've, I've purchased, you know, some of the basic, you know, levels of, uh, uh, introduction and, and have gone from there. So it's been a, Quite an eye-opening experience, and, and uh, it's something that I'm looking forward to continue. Appreciate it, Mike. It's, and as, as people on the call can see, we, we attract um, athletes and, uh, historically and obviously their coaches. So Mike's a, a coach in the sport that I've had a long association with uh, at the Olympic level in swimming. So it's, it's always fun. And, and that seminar, we were able to get de- down and dirty. We, we got pretty specific um a lot deeper than we normally would because we could, and, and Mike was a bit embarrassed because we felt you might have been hogging it. But all the coaches really appreciated the opportunity to to go, you know, real world and talk about you know what's really happening, not 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 the theory of it. So we appreciate Mike's presence at that um, Los Angeles seminar. So we're going to jump alphabetically next to Mitch Contronda. Thanks, Ian. So my name's Mitchell Contronda, uh, based in Australia. My background in coaching is started um, study and so on in the in the mid 1990s. Started coaching say in the late 1990s. I've been fortunate to work with um, multiple sports, team sports, squads, individuals. You know, contact, non-contact, land, aquatic, um, and air athletes for World Cups, World Championships, and the Olympics, um, which has been a lot of fun over a lot of years. My involvement in KSI started. Um, I think I first bought your book, scene when they were first published in the mid to sort of mid 1990s. Um, and then I did the foundations course in 1999. I think I was the first person to do it as you were writing it. I was doing it and then had my first boot camp with you in about 2004. And, um, I've been involved in the coaching program since then. I've graduated from it and, um, still involved all these years later. Excellent. Appreciate it, Mitchell. So you can see we've got some experience here and a bit of history. And probably at this point in time, I'm going to give an apology from uh, the first coach who came into our mentoring program, uh, Mike Pimentel. Mike uh, met, met me at a seminar in, in Boston in the late 1990s. 
and he's got a great story. He um, loved what he heard. He'd, he'd been, uh, he's an athletic trainer, worked in that industry, and then was one of the earlier strength and conditioning head, heads. Uh, it was a Div 3 school at Tufts University in Boston. But he moved from physical, from athlete preparation into strength and conditioning and ran that program. Um, so probably 15 years athlete trainer or something like that, another 15 years in, uh, in physical preparation. Um, but anyway, in, in the late 90s, he came upon a seminar and then he, he took a brave move and, and came along to boot camps and joined the coach mentoring program. So we, a lot of history there with Mike. Um, Mike has a personal battle on his hands now with uh, cancer and I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning that. So Mike has been a big part of our program for almost 20 years and I would love to have him on the call, but I, I believe, um, he just needs to go to bed a bit earlier tonight. So, uh, I, I just don't want to forget Mike and his, his role and his contribution. We get up to his facility twice a year, the last few years up there in the Cape and we work, uh, our level five and above camps there and it's five days of real world go, 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 16 hour days of training athletes and educating coaches. So. Uh, the coaches have been in that experience, know what I'm talking about. They know the value of that. We'll be there in, again in about six weeks' time. Okay, let's jump to Rasmus. Rasmus, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Jan. My name is Rasmus. I'm from Finland. And I originally got involved in the case I program by one of the older coaches when he recommended the program for me. And last year I participated in my first Park City camp and that's pretty much my story appreciate so as you can see strong accent some some scandinavian involvement uh, we always enjoy that global truly international approach i appreciate residents being on the call and uh, for, for being there in park city that year so let's go now to rick yeah hi um my name is rick Redenbrick. i live in perth west australia um I work for myself currently in soft tissue therapy as a sole trader, uh, running my own little clinic room within a small medical clinic. Previous to that, I've been a personal trainer in a few gyms, um, but really lost interest in that due to the ego-driven atmosphere, and I felt like it was a bit of a... Uh, they just wanted to get clients' credit card numbers, and they weren't really interested in the in the client themselves, so... I went back into study, did my diploma in remedial massage, and that's where I stumbled across one of Ian's books in the college library. I think it was the um, So You Want to Become a Physical Preparation Coach book, and that was about 2005, and then I put it down, and then I got on with my study, and then a few years later, for some reason, I, I can't actually remember, it just popped into my head. I wonder, I wonder where that book is now. Can I get it? I looked everyone, everywhere online, I couldn't find the link, so I went back to the library, got it, and since then I've purchased every book, apart from two, a few DVDs, uh, e-videos, and just love Ian's work, and I think um, I've built up a regular client base over the past 10 years doing what I do, and in that time I've had people from ordinary life through to athletes come and see me, and it seems to me that uh, some of the advice they're getting seems to be in, contra in so much contradiction to what I'm learning, reading and listening to all of Ian's work that I feel like I need to know more. Um, so one of the big ones is stretching and the misinformation that I'm getting from all the different 
practitioners that refer clients to me, whether they be physios, chiros, doctors. So I've basically undertaken my own personal development study whilst continuing my work um, in my soft tissue clinic. And I've got a love of sport anyway. I've got a history of playing cricket. And cricket's quite a gung-ho kind of sport in terms of they don't really put a lot of thought into the the training process um, either. So those are the kind of things that have been motivating me. No, it's great. And another great story and great to have you on board. As you can see, yeah. there's a common theme running through here. I'm sure you've all picked up on. Thank you, Rick. So let's go to, and I'm moving fast because there's a lot of things we want to cover. Uh, let's go to Rob Bennett. Thanks, Ian. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Rob. I'm from the UK. My involvement in the industry came out of a love of gymnastics and karate, which I did as a kid. Um, I started with the KSI program about five years ago. Um, the journey's just been amazing ever since. Currently training kids, football teams um, and private clients. And my coaching ability in personal development has just gone um, through the roof compared to where I started five years ago. So really happy with that decision. Thank you. Excellent. Great to have Rob, a long-term contributor to our program on the call. Thank you. Let's now jump to Tom Legath out of California. Hey, thanks again. Hey, everybody. My name is Tom Legath. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I started as a personal trainer 11 years ago, and I started in KSI four years ago after having opened a gym and realizing that I wasn't really helping people to the level that I wanted to, so I wanted to seek out a better way. I'm level six now and loving every minute of it. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. So Tom's another great role model for anyone who wants to study the changes that can occur with involvement at the high levels in our program. Let's jump to Tong. I'm going to unmute you, Tong. Hi, everybody. I'm Tong Brink. I'm from uh, Redondo Beach, California. I started as a client of John's. I um, learned a lot from him. And then I met Ian in 2015 in a, in a seminar in Santa Monica. Truly changed the way I train. Um, and then I just started the levels and really loved it. Went to a camp for a week and that was just mind blowing to me. I, I needed, I needed to learn some more. So I did my second camp and just as amazing. Um, I'm continuing to increase in my levels and learning a lot and I can't wait to see where I'm going to be. I also compete as well. So, and that's really helping me out. That's my story. Appreciate. And you've got a bigger background than that. Um, you know, your journey from Cambodia as a child. But that's for another day. Great story. Um, we're going to get some insights into some of Tong's story. So let's jump now to Ty. Ty, great to have you on the call. Hey, everyone. I'm Ty Anderson. I'm from the Gold Coast, Australia. Um, I'm a PT for the last three years or so and was introduced to Ian's work uh, probably not, not long after I started PT uh, through the first Get Buff book. I uh, read that. That changed our whole, my whole perspective on training. And since then, I've done gone on to levels one and two in KSI, and we'll be doing level three and four uh, in August this year. So I'm just excited just to get uh, in person and um, and get as many learning experiences as possible. That's me. Excellent. Great to have you on the call. Uh, and this is a real opportunity for people like yourself to ask the questions in round two, as I spoke about earlier. So let's go to Victor Chan. Hi, guys. So I'm physical preparation coach from Singapore. I've started my 
coaching journey in 2011. So I was doing personal training back then and I was uh, actually just got exposed to Ian's content. But at the same time, I was also influenced by a lot of the trends. And as I was studying uh, both materials simultaneously, I realized that I've always been going back to Ian's material. And although I had quite a few certifications and I was going through a few courses, uh, it just uh, occurred to me that I never really uh, had control and I never really got better at what I do. I mean, like, I thought I was better, but uh, the results of my clients um, didn't really impress me. So something must be wrong. And also at the same time, uh, I wasn't happy with the working arrangement that I was uh, going through. And um, I'm currently a level six coach. So went back like full time in the program after 2015 and I've never looked back since. So a lot to learn. Appreciate Victor. So Victor's out of Singapore and uh, again, just another example. Oh, we've got a newcomer on the call. I'd like to introduce John Hazard. So John, 30 second bio. Um, I, I started in fitness when uh, I was a little kid playing every different sport and uh, growing up in Manhattan Beach, I'd surf, skate and snowboard all the time. So I've always loved being active. And then um, in 2000, I started uh, personal training and it wasn't until 2010 where I met Ian and got introduced to KSI and um, just never looked back ever since. And, uh, I've just continued to grow and learn, and it's just been, you know, the best thing that's ever happened to me so far. And uh, I'm still learning and still going. Yeah. Thanks, I appreciate it, Big John. So the first time I, I went into the mountains of California was in the mid-90s with the Canadian ski team, and I found this place to ski called Mammoth Mountain, and I couldn't believe I was, was in California skiing because I just didn't imagine uh, spending so much time up there in the in Canada and the border, um, you know, Oregon and the border states on the north there, I just didn't know about the California ski. And then when I was there and the, and the sun was out and there was no clouds in the sky and you didn't really need a jacket and the snow was beautiful and then someone told me you could actually drive and surf in, in the same day, ski and surf in the same day. But I love this place. But anyway, I digress. Uh, just thought I'm able to ski and surf in the one day is just beautiful. And I've had many athletes who um, live that lifestyle. I could go on with many athletes. In fact, I love their pictures. I probably... Excuse me, when you see some of those pictures, you wonder about me, but, um, you know, I've seen people sitting on top of a, of a, a glacier in, in New Zealand being heli, heli, helicoptered in to, to ski down and then next day in the beach on, on a board. It's uh, leading a great life. So we've done the introductions. I think there'll be a few more coming onto the call. But here's my challenge. I know there's questions in, in, in some of you and there's no better place than to ask them. So rather than getting my opinion, here's your chance. So we need someone to break the ice. We need someone with the courage to ask the first question of another coach. Because I know there should be heaps of questions. So there's an electronic system there. You can put your hand up electronically speaking. And I'm just flicking through the panel looking for the first electronic. And we go, Justin. Go ahead, Justin. Thank you for breaking the ice. Yeah, I think uh, one of my my questions for uh, the coach out in California that's uh, a college uh, swim coach uh, that's training college swimmers, I, I think – what I would really like to know, because I have a lot of friends in the strength and conditioning world at the, um, in the American football world, and it's breaking the dogma, breaking the, the trends. Um, how, how do you navigate, you know, I guess, you know, new coaches coming in, not understanding, um, kind of like the historical fact of training, right? Understanding like where some of the training methodologies come from and then being trained in a typical, 
you know, CSCS requirement world, which is such poor, it's poorly educated from a biomechanics standpoint, and they really don't understand, you know, even anatomy or biology. Um, and again, I'm not knocking, you know, uh, the system, but that's what it is. And I, I just wonder, like, how do you navigate that water knowing that you're in the college system where the actual requirement is poor information? <laughs> what a great question. Um, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, can. Okay. Okay. A great question. Uh, it's a lot of education. You know, I spend a significant amount of my time talking to our strength and conditioning, you know, department, you know, and luckily at our school, uh, you know, the, the gym is right next to our pool. So it's like 30 feet from my door and the pool is about 20 yards from the, you know, the door. So, uh, we have a lot of it, you know, a lot of communication and a lot of it's just education. I, I've, uh, recently been at least lucky enough to have someone for a period. I think we're on year five, which is incredibly unusual, but it's still, uh, you know, something that it's just a lot of education. I always talk to them about, uh, you know, swimming is not, you know, it's not a land mammal sport and all those things that you think about and for, uh, any other land mammal, you know, a lot of those things don't have an application to, to a swimming athlete, I think, in, in my opinion. Um, or there, there's just differences. And, and But it's an ongoing process, and it goes on to the very – I mean, we're four days away from our championship, and so we're – you know, and it still goes on every day up to the championship. So it's as a coach, I think you can't just hand off – I find in my sport in college – you can't just – I think you're dangerous if you hand off your athletes to the strength and conditioning people and, and they do whatever they want. There are coaches out there that do that, and I just never understood that. So I try to keep a very hands-on, uh, you know, you know, a hands-on, you know, appearance on our program at every level. So I'm, I'm at every session. I You know, I don't run there. You know, I, I give them some latitude. We discussed the program. I, I've just become very blunt in my questioning of what's good and what's bad or, or what I feel needs to be corrected and, uh, kind of go from there. So, but there's been, before I had the, the gentleman we have now, you know, I went through a strength and conditioning guy every semester for about three years. So just because they rotated people out and it was very frustrating to the point that I was almost going to quit strength and conditioning and just you know, go to something else because I thought the values were so bad. But uh, it's gotten better. But as Ian knows, as we reviewed in our clinic, there's still a long way to go. Um, it's a challenge. I have no other way to put it. You know, um, one of the things that always bothers me the most, and I know Ian, and this is another thing attracted to me, Ian's program is, you know, injuries. You know, every strength and conditioning coach in college will say that the injuries don't happen in the weight room, but, uh, you go and talk to, you talk to the athlete and they'll say, well, it's not, it might not be a catastrophic injury that happens, you know, immediately from something they've done. I don't usually have that, but if you talk to the athlete, they'll say, well, that started bothering me when we did this in the, in the weight room. I'm like, oh, and that takes them out of their activity in the pool. And it can be related all the way back to something they've done. Now, maybe it just, that's what it finally got to that level that Ian's talked about where it's identifiable pain. Uh, 
but it is an interesting dynamic that you have to go around. So that sort of, I hope that answered your question. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So Mike, Mike had an interesting experience. So first time live with me in person, and I think you're probably a bit shell shocked than day one, Mike, because we we tried to pull the carpet out from underneath his program gently. <laughs> that was great. I, uh, if uh, you know, I, I I found that one of the biggest blessings that I've ever had. I mean, I I was hoping for 15 minutes of your time during lunch, one of those sessions, to kind of just talk about a few things, and uh, we managed to spend an entire afternoon breaking down everything, and I thought it was just thrilling. So just to give a bit of background, for me, uh, being involved in, for example, swimming in the, in the 80s, nobody did strength training. You know, I, I was able to get an insight into strength training history and swimming, and, you know, there was a few coaches who tried different things and then gave them up, and then they'd have a little bit of maybe a dips bar and shins bar beside the pool, and there was not much more, uh, generally speaking. Nobody really did anything. Seriously, and it was beautiful. No one was getting injured. There was no surgery, no no tape. And even into the, in America, I worked with an Australian Olympian who went to Michigan in, in the, in the early nineties. First non-American to become a swimmer of the, swimmer of the year in the NCAA Div 1, uh, nationals reset two records, unheard of for a non-American. And we were able to control the complete dryland program because there wasn't a dryland program in place in American college in that, in that era. Now we fast forward to a decade and a bit later and we send kids to college and they, they can't even negotiate their own way and they get wrecked and their, their career is basically over. So I've, I've been, I've seen uh, swimming in mass before strength training or dry land training. I've, I've implemented it with success and then seeing whatever else is doing. It hurts to watch, but you've heard me write about that a lot. And, um, the coach's perception and everybody's perception now is that you, you become a better athlete in the gym, actually you get wrecked in the gym. But this is a, this is a, um, a disease that's, that's spread into every branch of sport in the developed world. But anyway, I digress. Uh, and our battle is to simply isolate, um, put into quarantine the people we care about and try and undo the mess that that's been done to them and, and move forward with a more optimal program. So we'll move on from that and go, Rick, I know this is good to see. Rick's got a question. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I've just got one about, um, how do the guys in the coaching program diplomatically advise like an elite athlete to look outside of their circle within, you know, the professional organisational team? And is it difficult? Because, um, I've got a, a couple of young clients who come see me for soft tissue work and, and they express to me all the time how they aren't happy with what they're getting, but because they're in a program and they have scholarships, they are kind of, they feel a bit locked in like they, scared to speak up about it. So it's how do you diplomatically uh, sway them to have the courage to look outside of their circle? And we're going to get some great response to that, but I'm going to tell you a real quick story just to get the ball rolling. I, I, I was I had a young athlete introduced to me on the weekend. Um, someone proudly said, hey, you know, he's, he's a potential client for you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's a probably top three jumper in his discipline in, in Australian track and field. Um, and I said, I basically said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry for you because you've, you've come through in a, in a time of the world's history where the training is the most fucked up it's ever been in the world's history. Uh, because everybody's following the Americans and they're as dumb as dog shit. So that's how I diplomatically handled, handled that 30 second discussion. Um, I thought I'd just kind of, you know, lay a, pla- lay a platform for some other coaches' response. And, and I gave it verbatim. Let's say the boy was kind of flattened. 
Um, <laughs> but and and, and then I said, so you uh, you train full time, do you? And he said, yes, when I'm not injured. And I said, say no more. And that was the end of the conversation. Um, so coaches, Rick wants to know how you, um, you know, spread the KSI message effectively. Let's go first, coaches. I'll go first. Um, I would say number one, um, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. So once you start training them and they feel everything you're doing, they realize that everything that they were doing before probably wasn't the most optimal thing for them. And um, once you sit down with them and individualize their program, they realize that the previous program they had wasn't, you know, personalized for them. So sometimes you don't really need to, you know, tell them anything. You just need to do what you do, and they'll realize it pretty quickly, especially as well, an athlete. Let's go live with a real example that's pertinent to all everything we've discussed so far, John. Let's talk about the athlete in the 2016 um, Summer Olympics in swimming. You know, you, you obviously he he came he came he didn't know who you were, what you did, but he realised at some point in time that what you're doing was better. Oh yeah, it it that happened in a matter of you know a matter of sessions, and um, you know after that he was gung ho about training with me. He brought in like four or five more of his. Um, Olympic athletes from all different, you know, countries all over the world, and uh, I was working with them. And then, on I think like three separate occasions, um, he'd fly me out to train with him and uh, work with him during his uh, multi-week camps, and uh, it was it was great. So there's two points I want to make here. First of all, John's John's confidence in training elite athletes came from being given the opportunity at a KSI coaching camp to work with an elite swimmer. And John can verbalise that himself. Um, and then he came straight home from that, and, and, and voila, within a matter of months, he was attracting elite swimmers. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe it was, uh, I think it was camp three, maybe three camps ago. Yeah. And uh, I worked with a girl who was a high school athlete about to go into college and uh, had the opportunity to spend an entire week with her and do every kind of training session there was, um, work with their nutrition, and uh, it was great. I learned how to handle an athlete for that period of time and how to plan uh, a whole day out and a whole week out for them. So, um, yeah, the second I came back, I had, you know, tons of confidence because I had just done it, and uh, I just met a bunch of swimmers and, they liked what I did, and, uh, you know, I just started training them. So, Dominic, I just add a little bit to the tail end of that story because while it's not relevant to you all, it, it's, it's a big thing for me. Don, that swimmer was pulled back in by his national team what, six weeks before the Games, and we had really high hopes. And it, it wasn't just for me about that swimmer's success. It was an opportunity to, to – you know, how would I say this gently? To stop an American. Um, I probably about the only way I could say it nicely. Um, <laughs> As a result, because he had beaten this American in the past, uh, and, and as a result of the decisions that were made and the degradation in the athlete's performance, that American swimmer went on to become the most gold medal swimmer in the history of the world and took out um, you know, th the th three consecutive gold medals in the same event, which is something that I was working towards in 2000, but we missed by one medal. Um, so it, it was kind of a kind of a 
an irony for me that I, I could have, um, you know, we could have done more, done better, you know, found a way, Rick, to, to prevent what happened. Um, so we all face the same challenges and, you know, the same outcomes come out. But in the lead up to 2000, I had a, a female swimmer approach her, her temporary physiotherapist and say, can I go and work with Ian? He said, well, you better ask. Oh, I think he, that's great, but I think you better ask your own physiotherapist. And, and uh, her own physiotherapist didn't like me and he had his own toy boy. So he said, no. And that girl went from being the reigning Olympic champion, world medalist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera to, to not even, to not even qualifying. So, you know, th- there's a big difference when people make those decisions uh, and it's not an easy journey. So let's get one more story um, from another coach, another KSI coach at the high level about how they successfully impart a message in a, in a confused world. I'll give one. Um, for, for me, Rick, it's very simple. We don't attempt to convince anyone of anything. There's no shortage of people in the world. And when you're talking with someone, and like Ian gave you an example before, he just told the person straight. And sometimes we might tell them that straight literally. Sometimes we might not. But when you don't really care, because if people don't have the courage to step forward and just continue to move on, um, you know, people know, some people notice that and some people don't. You just continue on your way. The second thing is that when you become competent, and um, Ian, you'll decide if you want to open this can of worms on, on what the word competent actually means in in this industry. Um, you get a lot of word of mouth word of mouth referrals, and people can't get to you unless it's through word of mouth. And then when that starts happening, um, you know you attract people differently. Your energy is different. You know the whole world's different. You're just not. You know, you're not fishing in the same stinky pond as 95% of people. So I'd just suggest that don't try and convince them of anything. Make a suggestion, move on. It's their choice, their life, their career. And secondly, um, you know, get very competent and watch what happens. Yeah, so great, great examples. And I'll just back up on one of those. So talking about just telling people what you think and moving on and telling it with a genuine intent to help them, not not an intention to, to mess with them, et cetera. Um, we had a coach in a seminar. I met the coach. I'm trying to think when, you know, about 1990, I think, or the early 90s. Anyway, he brought an athlete to a seminar uh, early 2000s, and the, the the athlete hadn't really done any dealings with us. So he was doing an exercise. And he was doing it in a, in a less than an optimal way, and uh, considering the sport he was in, um, I can see things fairly quickly. So I, I made some pretty blunt suggestions, which tested his um, ego a little bit. And then I made, and I said, listen, you know, if you basically, if you want, if you're ready to empty your cup and, and get a better outcome, you know, you come and train with us, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, that, that boy could have gone either way. He, he, to his credit, he, he, he bit his, um, his, he bit his humility and ended up training, uh, with, with Mitchell on the coast there and became uh, amongst the first gold medalists in his, in that particular event you know, in Australian history. And that would not have happened uh, had not he taken up the offer. Uh, but we 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 wouldn't have cared either way. We just um, tell him what he think we think it would help him and keep moving. So Rick, how are we travelling with your answer? I'd love to give more examples. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's fantastic. Um, I agree with the competency part because that's the only way I operate with my soft tissue side of things. Um, I suppose. I have to detach myself from being emotional about really wanting to help someone and because this young girl actually just snapped her ACL 
and I'm she rang me in tears and yeah, because I'm not in the inner sanctum, I don't know what they were doing, what their physio is what their physio is doing now. Um so oh, I suppose I just gotta like you say, just give them some advice and step away and yeah, let them do what they do. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um not heading in the right direction, it's not getting any easier, not getting any better, but we, we, we don't need the whole world to work with us. We just need enough to to make a difference in some people's lives and some will, some won't. It's, um, there's a lot of opportunity, shall we say. There's a lot of opportunity and we just do our best. Um, getting getting a, an athlete to a better place and a better outcome is so easy because the direction of training is taken. Anyway, I'm talking too much, so let's uh, see. We have another question for another coach. I know there's going to be one, and if they don't raise it, I'll raise it on their behalf. Thank you, Barney. You saved me. I was about to raise it for you. Go ahead, Barney. Okay. Um, I forgive me. I can't remember the name of the uh, coach that was saying this. Um, one of them that does personal training um, said that he wasn't happy with the results he was getting before um, signed up to the KSI program and then seems to have seen a significant change in that. That was basically one of the questions that I had before was um, how, how do they feel the, the KSI coaching has actually helped improve their practice? How is that related to um, them being able to better help serve their clients' needs? So who was that? Does anyone remember? Yeah, I think that was Sorry, me. I can't remember who, who it was that said that. This is Tom. I think that was me, Ian. Oh, thanks, Tom. Tom. Yeah. So, yeah, I was when I became a trainer. Uh, I took a lot. I took a lot of different courses because I wanted to help people as best I could. And I was doing the things that I was taught, and I just wasn't getting the results that I expected would happen. And the KSI program has just changed everything from kind of some of the things that have just been raised in the last few questions, the way I communicate, um, my own ego and looking at a situation from a different perspective, because as a personal trainer, pretty much everything centered around picking up dumbbells or doing some sort of weight training. And that's not always the best thing for the client. So it just helped me to better be able to ask questions and help someone based on what they need rather than what I was told they need. Hope that helps. That does help, yeah. Let's go ahead, um, can, can I just ask as well? Yeah, go ahead, Barney. Yeah, uh, just uh, in what way do you, do you feel that's actually different to, to what you learn on the standards? Um, you know, the kind of reps or see, um, you know, the standard approved sort of programs that we get. Um, everything, pretty much everything, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good start. It's uh, night and day. Okay. So I'm going to jump in here. Barney asked me a question about group training. And, and Barney was asking me a question based upon the message he'd received from the industry, you know, the, the paradigms of the industry. This is how we do business. It's, it's tough for me to answer a question when I don't, don't do it, don't believe in it. We just do business so differently that it's almost foreign language when someone says, you know, how can I learn how to do group training better? And there are a number of principles by which we operate by. One of those principles is called the individualization. It's a word that's appeared in textbooks in, in, in the strength training world and the physical preparation world for 30, 40 years, but it, that's as far as it's gone. It's a beautiful theory that nobody does. But anyway, if you believed in individualization, how the hell could you go to group training? 
you know, I, 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 when I'm doing a seminar, I say to everybody in the seminar, 30, 40, 50 people in front of me, I said, you're all taking your car tomorrow to the same garage. It's, you're all taking the same garage and all your cars are going to get the same service. I don't care what your car needs. They're all getting the same service. And then you're going to drive for the next 20,000 miles. That's it. Full stop. Goodbye. And they look at me with horror. It's like, what if my car has different needs than their car? You're going to wreck my car. Absolutely. If the concept of training someone on a generic training program is, well, it's unethical, it's immoral, it, it, it breaches the principles of first do no harm, I could go on forever. This is not a, this is not a moral perspective. This is just, I didn't think there was any other way. I, I, I entered and created concepts in this industry and I just assumed this was everyone did. Um, and, and obviously along the way I got a bit stunned. But yeah, so there's so many fundamental differences, Barney, that, um, yeah, the outcome is the most important thing. We don't just do different for different. Uh, what, what you find is you be like everybody else, you'll struggle with everyone else. There's no point of difference. There's no uniqueness. Uh, there's no place in the market for you to, to expand uh, doing what everyone else does. But maybe Tom can comment on that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just not limited by it. I'm not looking through a narrow telescope anymore. I think is how I would describe it. And everyone in the industry does the same thing. They look for this, this same spot every time for the answer. And there's a whole bigger universe out there. So. So I'm glad you asked that question, Barney. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom something you don't know, you don't know. Um, but when you learn, you, you don't know, then it's still pretty hard to fathom it. But, um, Tom went on that journey. Tom probably had some some fears and concerns stepping out on that journey. You know, he's certainly his business partners were reluctant for him to go on that journey and, and they, their fears were, were confirmed because once he stepped out on that journey and he changed and he got better, ultimately they kicked him out of his not only out of the business, they um, expelled him from even working in the training facility. And that's the best thing that could ever that's the best sign that your competence has reached level because if you're not frightening people with your competence, then you're not good enough. So if you if everyone still likes you, um, you got a problem, to put it bluntly. So he's had the greatest real world compliment. He's been expelled from his own business. Sounds weird, doesn't it, Barney? <laughs> it does actually, yeah. I, no, I, I I like that. I've, I think there's something in me which is a bit of a natural contrarian, anyway. Um, and certainly within the fitness industry, there's a lot of things where I just think things just don't seem quite right. And a lot of the stuff that I was learning, not as a disrespect to my course tutors and things, but the, the general materials that you learn, it just seems lacking. And everything that I learned, I thought there's got to be a better way to do that. And it felt like you're almost wanting to reinvent the wheel just to sort of to get things right. And then, you know, at some point you think, surely there's someone's already laid this stuff down. Um, and the more stuff that I sort of read and come back to and from trying to listen to sort of everyone in the industry, uh, kept coming back to Ian's work and thinking, yeah, that's probably if anyone, if anyone's doing the right thing, not to try and inflate your ego too much, but, um, I think it's Ian is probably the, out of anyone I, I would want to follow in the industry would, would be himself. Well, the words, the, the, there is a better way. There's got to be a better way. It's the words we operate by. Uh, we, we, we believe that and we believe that if we're not different, then we, we are like everyone. So we're always going to be on the, on the front of, of innovation. Um, most of what is ultimately imitated in this industry is, is a diluted version of what I've taught. 
And after nearly 40 years of doing this, um, I'd hope that with an immediate amount of intelligence, and I've come to the conclusion to line that with care for the individual athlete, um, that we've come up with a pretty pretty sharp way. No, you know, that's, we, we do the best. Nobody can compete. Um, nobody can compete with us in the application of, of training methods. And it's not restricted just the athlete. It's just cut tested on the athlete. It's, it's where we, we live. Not all our coaches live in that, in that space, but that's where I live. Um, and the fact that Hello. it's tested in, can everyone hear me? Yep. Okay, yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. So the, the, the fact that it's, it's proven successful in the elite, in the elite athlete world is simply the best, the most challenging test for any training method. And, and, and then I'll work for everybody else once you confirm that. So I'm glad you asked that question. We're going to have at least one more because the purpose of here is to help the younger athletes, or when I say younger, the athletes that with less involvement in KSI take advantage of opening questions. So Mike, Mike Kelly, I'd like to think you're going to have a question, um, you know, about level five even. Uh, well, yeah, actually, <clears throat> I, I've always respected how you've given credit where credit's due, which is so uh, uncommon in, in, in the training industry where just actually giving credit to uh, someone's thoughts, whether it be, uh, you know, Tudor Bompa or or, or uh, Charlie Francis or whatever. Um, and I actually... Just lost Mike, Mike's audio. Is anyone else here, Mike? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Mike. Yes. Yeah, I hear him. Yep. Okay. Um, I was just I was just saying how I really res- I've always respected you, Ian, for um, giving credit where credit's due. Uh, whether you're quoting, you know, Tudor Bompa or or Charlie Francis or some somebody that's influenced you. Um, and one of the questions I have is, as the coaches get further along in the coaching, um, what are you reading? Who, who you know, are, are are you are you listening to? Uh, what blogs are you listening to? What, uh, what, you know, what books next to your nightstand? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued as to, uh, as you, as, I, cause I too have gone through the courses and I refer, they're, they're constant reference of mine. In fact, I've got the original get buffed book open right in front of me as I'm writing a program up for a, a new high school athlete of mine. Um, but I guess I was just wondering, what are you guys, what are you guys reading? What are you guys listening to? So let's go with um, John, maybe, and then we'll go down to Mitchell, John, Rob, um, Tom, Greg, in that order. So you want Mitch to go first? first? Yeah, Mitch, go first. Sorry, let's let's go from top down. That's a great question, Mike. Um, This is probably going to be a little bit, um, out there for a lot of people on the call, but the truth is, in terms of physical preparation, I don't read a thing. Haven't for a while. The reason for that is that after a period of time, when you learn to think for yourself and you do what um, Buckminster Fuller says, jettison everything I've ever been taught to believe and act only on personal experience, and you've got personal experience with thousands of athletes in tons of sports in different environments in many countries of the world. You learn to think for yourself, and what happens in time is that the person standing in front of you, for me, the athlete, is now my biggest teacher. There's just there's there's nothing that can that can, can that can top that. Now, in the early days, for your foundational thinking, and you know, as Ian always says, a framework for which to hang your thoughts. You know, the, the level one, level two, level three, level four, so on, is absolutely invaluable. There is no question about it. And in the early days, and to this day, I honestly reckon I could actually 
verbatim quote 90% of Ian's books. Like I could just sit here and just tell you what Get Buff 1 says, 2 says, 3 says, winning and losing, like winning and losing 2, ask the master, all of them. Like I, if you saw my books, they're falling apart. They've got underlying headings like they were my nighttime reading for over 10 years. So the reading's been done, but for me at my stage now, um, it's definitely um, the person standing in front of me is my greatest teacher. And then I have discussions with Ian and, and the other coaches. We always do that. Um, we bounce things off each other and ideas of each other. But, yeah, it's probably a little bit different to what most people are doing. Hopefully that answers your question. That's brilliant. No, I appreciate that. Don. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the exact same for me. I mean, the last book I read was called The Moral Animal and had nothing to do with physical prep. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Mitch. I mean, you'll get to the point where you, you'll just start welp- welcoming people that, you know, new challenges that you haven't, uh, people that you haven't seen before with, you know, different goals and different conditions and from what you've done in the past and what you've read in the past and the, you know, the content you've looked over in the past and from your experience, um, you'll be able to figure out what to do. And each time you do it, that figuring it out process takes less and less time. And you're, you'll get to the point where, you know, your confidence level is just so high, um, because your competence is so high that you can just help anybody. So as far as what I'm reading right now in physical prep, yeah, I'm, I'm not reading anything right now. And every time I glance at something, like someone will show me an article or something like that, and it's just people are so far off that it's just kind of sad. So what you've heard from there, Mike, is two graduates, and they get taught to read the body. When you can read the body, you don't need an opinion after that. You need a hypothesis and you need to test it in an objective manner. So what we're going to do now is hear from some level sixes. They're not, they're not at the same level. Uh, and keep in mind that the graduates' reading will be extensive in, in, in non-physical prep, um, which obviously is the holistic nature of what we teach, and, and that's something I'll come back to uh, later if we, if we have time. But let's hear from um, uh, Tom and Greg. Uh, Rob, Rob next. Sorry, Rob. Answer Mike's question, please. Thanks, Ian. Hi, Mike. Yeah, so I'm not the same level as John and, and Mitchell, but um, what I've come to realise is that there are things that can't be taught in, in a book. Um I was a bit of an information collector um, in the early days. I, th- I thought that held the key, but I've, I've learned that's definitely not the case. And my, my best learning has come from, from training people and going to the camps and having those experiences at the camps, without a doubt. Um, that said, I'm I'm doing a fair bit of reading. Um, I mean, there's there's all the information in the world that we have access to, but I only have so much time and energy. And um, so I, I just choose to, to stick to Ian's work, pretty much exclusively nothing else in terms of physical prep. Um, the only other things I've ever read have been Charlie Francis and that's about it. Um, just, just my opinion is I, I want to have a narrow focus in a direction. Um, so that's where I'm going. Um, and I read a lot of things, probably more than physical prep outside of uh, physical prep. So personal development, um, and that kind of thing. And that, that benefits me more than anything else. Um, hope that helps. So what, um, Rob is, is starting to demonstrate is that to get to the position of Mike and, and John, you're probably going to read everything I've published hopefully multiple times and that's a pretty big job. And if people are looking to learn from a lot of different camps, they'll never get deep and master anything. So these coaches are basically 
choosing to master um, one path, and, but that path is not limited by by. Uh, it's not a method; it's a philosophy, which is a differentiating point. So let's go to Tom. So in physical prep, uh, I just echo what Rob said. I'm rereading KSI books, Charlie Francis, because a big lesson I've taken is that in a book, there's so many things to learn that one time through, you just won't get everything. Uh, but I also listen, I use Audible a lot. I, a lot of books I listen to are personal development and financial and just anything that I find interesting. But that's, that's probably the majority of the stuff I'm reading is personal development and financial books. So it's probably time to introduce the content of the, of the, the depth of the video videos that you have given access to. So we, we capture a lot of things we do. Um, not everything, but I capture a lot and, and we load it. And the higher up levels, the higher up you are on the level, the more you get to see. So as we get through to, uh, Tom, you might want to just touch upon the depth, depth of information you get in, in video of live coaching. Yeah. The Viddler is just priceless really because just like books, you can, all of Ian's experiences are there for you to learn from and you can go through it over and over again and apply it to whatever situation or scenario that you're working on or just learn cool stuff. Yeah, it's really invaluable. Excellent. So let's go to Greg. Greg, Greg came with a call late, so we didn't get an intro from him. Greg. Greg's out of California. He's mainly working with General Pop. Greg, if I can speak for yourself, I'll take you off mute. And if you just want to answer Mike's question. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Um, yeah. So on my nightstand right now, I have Work Smarter, Not Harder and The New Professionals, um, two books dealing with how you can efficiently spend your time and, and build your business, um, a lot of books to do with investing, and then as far as physical prep goes, um, yeah, just pretty much all Ian's work. Last book I read from Ian's was Legacy. Definitely recommend that one. And, yeah, as far as anything outside of that, that's just pretty much what I've been reading. And then as far as the Viddler goes, all the Viddler videos are very, very good, and access to that has been huge in, uh, in helping people better. So what, you, what you're hearing from level six couples is the narrow focus, but I can assure you that people trust the process. They trust the content. If they master that content, they will never be out of work ever again in their life. They will be the best in their specific field, in their, in their chosen niche, and they will never, ever struggle in the grab pot with everyone else who is thinking that it's good to learn a little bit from a lot of different people. So we've had some sixes and above. Uh, I reckon we have time for one more question. These are great questions, and, and I appreciate them coming through. So do we have another question? And I'm prioritizing the questions coming from coaches below the level five. Well, Ty, what about you? You've been pretty quiet. You had a question? So, Ty, if you're talking, you're on your own mute button. Uh, to be honest, um, a lot of a lot of the uh, the subjects we've covered are, are sort of things that I've I've encountered in the last sort of few years by uh, through trial and error. So, you know, it's not always a physical preparation uh, limitation, or it, it can be something else. It can be a question that you you may not be asking yourself, or may not be asking your client in a certain way. Um, I guess I'm probably probably saving myself to. To probably unleash a few questions, uh, or a lot of questions, uh, in, in person 
in August. Um, but it's just been interesting to listen, to be honest. I, I like listening to everyone's uh, backgrounds and, and their experiences, and I can sort of relate it a lot to myself um, from there. But I'm, I'm happy just to sort of listen. So, Ty, did you have any questions about camp? You, you know, you're going to do something you've never done before. Did you have any questions that you want to put on the table about that experience? Um, no, I, was, I think I'm. I think I'm just happy to, to roll in and um, and get stuck into it. Um, I've just, you know, it's been a couple of years, and I've been looking forward to it for a couple of years now. So I'm um, looking forward to getting over and um, and just just chatting to everyone and, and you know just being in person um, in that environment. Excellent. So what you'll learn is we, we don't really know everything that's going to happen. We just know magic happens. And the coaches have been to multiple camps with me in different locations around the world know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we always uh, end up doing stuff that is just sensational. And most, most of it, um, you know, we attract, uh, we attract a lot of it in, in the now. Uh, you know, it didn't happen the day before, but it would turn, would turn up that night sort of stuff. So I'm going to clear the hand so I can get a clearer shot. Did anyone have a final question at all? From another coach. Rick, new hand. Yeah, just um, want to. The question about the um, do you read books from what others are doing was actually brilliant because that was one of the questions I had to ask as well. But I'm attending a conference for uh, my soft tissue therapy association in June in, Gold, in the Gold Coast, and there's a guy running a, um, a seminar there. And he calls himself the kettlebell physio. And I, before I read, yeah, I was really interested in it at first. And then I read Ian's, um, read your, um, recent article. And <laughs> I've never used kettlebells myself, but after reading your article, I thought, well, there's probably a good reason not to have bothered with that. So I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not actually going to attend that part of the seminar. I'm going to go and do something else. But my question is, Am I being closed-minded or am I choosing wisely to spend my time in a different seminar? So should I shut myself off from what everyone else in a conference like that or seminar um, just because I don't believe in it or because is it better to hear sometimes what other people are saying and thinking, even if you don't agree with it, just to confirm your own beliefs, if you thought that makes sense? Absolutely. I think it's a great question. And it's a very relevant question on your personal development journey. And I'm looking forward to the answers from our coaches before I weigh in on that, because there's no black and white answer here. Um, I think it'll unfold before us, though. So let's reverse the order. And let's start with a very quick comment, starting with Victor. Go ahead. Um, well, I guess if you... Um you have a lot of time on your hands and you already have an idea that, okay, you're probably not going to buy into that, but still want to go and listen. Uh, I, uh, I, in my personal experience, I probably won't do that. And you have mentioned that you've read the uh, Ian's most recent article. So if the moment I heard about the term, uh, what, the kettlebell physio, it sounds like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, nice business to, you know, keep people going back in the cycle. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. Excellent, Victor. Let's go to Tom. Um, all I can say is that when you listen to somebody speak and you listen to their experiences and you listen to what they have done, you can kind of tell what their intention is. And so I've seen a lot of gyms and I listen to Ian and 
read Ian's work and listened to him on Midler. And for some reason, when he says something, it makes complete sense. And it's very effective and very efficient. Um, I always come back to it. I don't know why. I just feel like it just makes sense. And I feel like other people know that it makes sense, but they are so caught up in their own ways of doing things that they aren't as open to listening to other people's perspective. So I think that's a decision that you're going to have to make, how you feel about different opinions. But if you meet that person and you listen and you really try to get a sense of their intention, you'll know. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate Tom. Let's go to Gregory. Any comment on the professional development question, Greg? Um, yeah. I mean, it's always interesting to see what other people are doing. Um, as far as going to a whole seminar for it, when it's something you already know, um, probably is a little bit of bullshit. I, I, I wouldn't pay for it. <laughs> I personally have been duped into a $1,200 kettlebell seminar myself. And uh, it, it was just, we learned absolutely nothing. So, um, yeah, that's my opinion about that. Beautiful. Tom? Yeah, I would just ask, which one do you think will give you the most value? That's a question for for Rick to, to reflect on. Let's jump to Rob. That's a great question, Rick. Um, it's just my opinion. Um, we only have so much time and energy available to us. Um, and we, we could we could spend our whole lives just collecting opinions from everyone. At some point in time, we, we might want to consider building in a direction. Um, so you got you got to figure out for yourself what your values and beliefs are, and and these people that you um, have the opportunity to learn for um, is that in alignment with yours? Um, if they are, then fantastic. If not, then you may want to consider another path. Hope that helps. Excellent. So, John, a quick snap on that. Uh, oh, I love I love all this stuff, and I love seeing what the industry is doing. And I, I like knowing about every single trend that is coming through the industry because it allows me to help the people who I work with even more. So if I know <laughs> um, what's out there and they come to me and they're like, hey, have you heard about the, you know, kettlebell physio? You know, instead of not having a clue, I could be like, oh, actually, yeah. And I can tell them my opinion on it to greater help them, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the question, question the question is, John, would you go to, say, a three-day seminar in an industry? Uh, like, Do you go to like the NSCA convention, the NASAM conventions? Absolutely not. Year? I wouldn't spend money on it, but I like studying it when, you know, I see it or I can read about it. Excellent. But no, so I we're answering – yeah, and, and the time involved. Yeah, so, no, Mitchell, did any other comment on that? Uh, very briefly, Rick, I, I personally, you know, there's no way I would go, but for, to, to separate that and where you are, you know, you're at a different stage. And if you feel the need to, you know, get endorsed opinions from a lot of different people for the next 10 years and then go in a certain direction, well, that's your journey. You know, you should do it. You should listen to your intuition. Um, but personally, absolutely not. And as, as Mr. Yeah, said, good. So I'd be interested in Justin's opinion on this because Justin's embedded in the U.S. industry. Yeah, and as you know, I do a lot of, you know, the, the trendy, you know, educational um, money pools and um, 
swindlers of, of money from everybody. But uh, I think it's interesting. I think the thing that, to think about the most, and is, um, and I think this is probably the most important thing, is we should learn to think for ourselves. And the more we know, uh, the more competent we are as coaches and understand the body, um, the the more we could actually have a real opinion and not be swayed by other people's uneducated opinions. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to sit in a room with Ian and, and realize how much you don't know. It's very um, hard to almost find that in uh, the American strength and conditioning world. So you could, you could hear how much someone says they know, but when they actually put, you know, and a lot of people, I think the reason why I say the most important thing is to learn to think for yourself is that, the trends um, in in the U.S. is basically just a circle jerk of other people's ego, and and it's sad. But the reality of it is, is most people um, they promote a certain way of training to make somebody else feel like they want to be wanted. So they basically say, "I endorse this. I have no idea what the fuck it is, but I want to endorse <laughs> it in order just to be accepted into the group." Versus me saying, hey, I'm a little bit, maybe I'm, I'm not sure what it is and, and, and try to get educated on it. They actually just say, yeah, that's the best thing in the world. Um, and they, they, they basically say, I had great results with it. They've never even done it. Um, and if you, I go to a lot of conferences to filter out the BS. Um, and I think so part of me, part of what I do is, is the networking to find out who's real and who's not because in this day and age, it's so easy to front. Um, and I think a lot of that is just staying in your lane and most people don't want to do that. Um, so that's just, that's my opinion, but um, I'm a big believer and an advocate for going to these events, but you'd better sure as heck feel very comfortable uh, with where you stand. So you could have an opinion on things. But the other thing is like, where is your time most valued from a family standpoint, business standpoint, education standpoint, before you spend money on those things I I hope you've uh, invested into what you already know to be true. So I'm going to give an example. And first of all, when I was young in the industry, I, I certainly went to them all. Um, so I, 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 you know, to be transparent, I couldn't say I never went to them. I definitely went, but now it would be it just hurt too much. My main concerns are this: your time and your cup. So you know, time and money limited uh, resources, especially time, and. You're only going to go to so many events in any given year. Let's give an example about that. I had a young fellow at the same point in the coach education journey as Mitchell was. What year was that, Mitchell? 2003? Uh, yeah, 2003, I think, or four, one of those two. Another Australian, I'd helped him get his first job in, in sport as uh, a physical preparation coach. And he could have gone on and joined Mitchell on the path, but he didn't. He chose to um, do what, uh, you know, the shiny light stuff, and he, he went across to America and put his time and money into you know, other methods. And, you know, he did okay, I guess you could say, for himself. In, in, you know, he did above average in, in, in his sport association with success, but um, it was disappointing to me, but the comparison between what could have happened and what, what did happen, and, and in particular the injuries. Uh, I was reading a story recently in the media about a, a young boy who, who four seasons at that particular team had played 10 games. 
uh, and that was an indicative of the sort of injuries that were coming out of that era, you know, ACLs, shoulder reconstructions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of athletes paid the price uh, over and above the coach's limited um, uh, fulfillment of his potential. And I, I know what he could have done. I know where that coach could have gone. I, and I know where that coach did go by watching him through history. And the difference between reality and, and what was possible was if, you, if I had some emotion to spare, I'd go in the corner and have a, have a tear for him. It's it's quite common. People get to the point where you're at and then they just don't commit. And, and that's understandable. You know, they don't trust the process or, you know, they're, they're intuitively or they just resonate with something else. And then good luck to them. I always say, you know, whatever you want to do, go out and do it. And I'm going to be, um, I'm going to learn as much as I can by watching your path. And it's just a great example I gave you because that boy was at the same, pretty much at the same similar spot as Mitchell and just took a different path. And the difference is that that, that, that coach will spend the rest of his life looking for three-year contracts, whereas the coaches who come out of my program will never look for anything. People will find them. Um, you know, we don't we don't uh, have to do anything other than do our best, and people want to line up and be serviced by us. So we're not living in that scarcity mentality of you know, I better sell myself for you know, 50 or 80 grand a year because um, I'm just like everyone else, and if I don't, someone else will take the job, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get another job, and where will I be living in three years' time, and will I have enough money for my family? Oh, I can't spend my kid to private school. I'd like to go on holiday you know, overseas, but I can't. You know, just the end result is so chalk and cheese, over and above the, uh, the athlete outcome. So I thought that was a great example. It's not the only example, but just one example of people who've, who've been at that point and been attracted by shinier objects. So, Mike, I think you had a hand up. Mike Kelly. Oh, I, I was simply going to make a comment about um, I, I do body work as well. I'm a massage therapist. And, uh, you know, just my professional association requires, you know, some of those some of those conferences and some of that continuing education stuff. Um, and and um, I think relative to that, I, I've certainly gained a, a massive filter, uh, you know, with the, the, the marketing bullshit and the the, the trendy stuff. Um, but like I was saying earlier, one of my the biggest things I respect about the the KSI coaches is, is yeah you know, we're just giving credit where it's due you know and it's not like we've cornered the market on optimal you know on optimal protocols or programming or any of the, any such thing it's just uh um it it just the the shit just works and um so anyway that's what I was gonna say is that 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 I I too have to attend some of those conferences and um. And it's definitely given me a different set of lenses that I look at that, that I look at that information through. That's all I was going to say. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to add something to that, which I hadn't expanded upon, which is the empty cup and the impact of, of exposure. But Mike, you had something to add? Mike Killer? Uh, it's just, it, it kind of reflects back to what books you're reading. Uh, you know, I've, you know, it, I mean, my most recent reads have been old books. You know, going back to the classics and, and, you know, sports physiology by Edward Fox. I mean, it's a 1975 sports physiology book that still is pretty much this, you know, one of the standards, you know, and, uh, you know, interval training by Fox. It's a couple of things. I mean, those things are the mid seventies, but it still carries out. And I think it's sort of what Ian's bait, you know, talked about is, is some of those methods. It's fun to, I found it enjoyable to go back and, and with a, with a 
you know, not a jaundiced eye, but with an eye and then looking back and see how some of those classic things are still obviously, obviously work. And I think it reflects on kind of our conversation we've had now is that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the Giants, I mean, I was very blessed in my early coaching years that I met, you know, Doc Councilman was just finishing up his career at Indiana and, uh, I've had the time to sit down and have a meal with him and ask questions and his answers were always the full answer. They were never, uh, just your question. You know, it was always how it fit into the training, how it fit into the year, how it fit into that person. And then after a while you realize your question was rather small compared to really what it fit in. And, uh, it, it's been kind of a weird thing to see young coaches you know, think they've invented something and, and, uh, you know, I just say, well, you know, the doc did that in the mid sixties. You know, I mean, it's not that, uh, it's not that new. And, uh, so I think there's, uh, I think some of the classics still bring, you know, still bring, you know, obviously are still very viable features. So I don't know how that fits in, but they, they well, seem alive. Bit of great history there for me, you know, talking to you, having you try to direct contact with councilman. I appreciate that. So the, the final point I'll make about that uh, question that was posed was the transfer. It's impossible to interact with somebody or something without having an exchange of material. It's a forensic, uh, philosophy, forensic uh, science principle that when two objects come in contact with each other, each leaves particles of themselves on the other. So the challenge I have over and above the time and energy, time and money, going to diverse educational experiences, is the risk of the, the information filtering in or the time and energy I have to use to wash it off. And I know that this is a concept that my high-level coaches will relate to and that the, the, the ones earlier in the journey, so to speak, probably not so much, but that, that, that is a real but rarely recognised reality that when you mix with people or content, ultimately some does wash. Some does stick. Okay, so we have had a fantastic time. Aaron has um, been like a is there a parable in Ireland for the lost sheep? You've been running around wondering where we are. Um, uh, no, sorry, yeah, I've been. You found uh, us. Gone walk about. I think you say in um, Australia. That's what my Aboriginal brothers and sisters would say. And, yeah. Um, Aaron, so quick intro for yourself. Um, about my 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 background with with, with KSI or my, my own personal background. Well, you got thirty seconds. So fill it any how you want. Um, okay. Well, I'm a um, <clears throat> personal trainer and a physical preparation coach, uh, based out of Ireland. Um, got involved with KSI about four years ago. Uh, started my journey then. Uh, I am now a level five. This is my first year level five. Um, really enjoying it. Uh, it's really testing me and pushing me forward in in my um, in every aspect of uh, my life, personal development, financial development, um, everything. I'm really enjoying the challenge of it all. Um, so yeah, and it's. Uh, Two o'clock in the morning in Ireland, um, and we've been doing these calls now. Started in January, so uh, it's been fun getting up at uh, a quarter to two every um, Monday morning. But um, it's really 
worth it. Um, after I get off the call, my mind is actually buzzing. It's very hard to go back to sleep because so much gets said and so much gets talked about. So, um, but it's 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 really wonderful challenge at the minute for me. Excellent. We're we're glad you found us in the end there, and a great example of discipline, commitment to be up at this time of the hour to benefit from the KSO program. So we are on the home straight now. We're in the final straight, uh, last lap. Any questions of any kind, training related, the floor is completely open. No no limitation of what you want to raise if there is one. It looks like you're saving them up for... Uh, you go ahead, I hear a voice. Arnie, go ahead. Hi there. Um, just in relation to that, um, is it obviously for someone like myself just starting out on the program, is it kind of recommended with that in mind that you should reject some of the things that you've already learned and things that you might even be in the process of learning? Uh, like, for example, I myself am doing a nutrition course and just seeing how that would tie in with the stuff that is taught in the KSI programs. If that's if you can actually marry up the two things or you're better to kind of chuck some of the things out. So what I'm going to talk about is optimal learning. Optimal learning is, 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 is time-based. The faster you want to get something, the, the more effective you get at ending the mind. So if you can imagine, and obviously we're not dogmatic about this. We don't we don't care whether you embrace this concept or not. We, we need to people in our control groups. I, I love it when people have different opinions. Uh, people said, you know, think I get concerned? Not at all. You need control groups in, in objective studies. And our approach to training is, is more objective than science is in the modern day world. Uh, but as far as learning goes, if you've got something in your cup that's not serving you optimally and it's taking up space, just like a hard drive, you're running out of space. And even though the human mind is more um, expansive than a hard drive, the, the analogy is relevant and you need to take that out and replace it with more optimal thinking. Absolutely. Now what that is, and you can judge, you know, we, we don't talk right or wrong. Uh, we have a high degree of confidence. I don't think it'd ever be considered arrogance, but a high degree of confidence on our path. And absolutely, if, if you don't, um, you don't empty the mind of non-productive information, then you are slowing your learning down. Does that answer that, Barney? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll need to finish what I'm doing just for the, you know, the, the thing of being a. Um, I've started, so I need to finish it. Um, Otherwise, it's a huge waste of money. But I, I'm interested, actually, to see how, how it would serve anyway, because what I was expecting from the course before is, is kind of feels different to what it's actually like when you're going through it. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see. Well, if, it's, if you're getting a certificate, a piece of paper, I encourage you to complete it, obviously. Uh, you know, what, a, what, what uh, the outcome of would be is, is a separate story, but definitely uh, if you need to have a qualification, go ahead and grab one. So yeah. I'm seeing a new, is that a new hand, Rick, or is that an old hand? That's a new hand. Um, Go ahead, Rick. Just a, a quick question. Um, I can't remember who it was now, who did the body work as well. Um, I've got a, something about the uh, the CrossFit cult at the moment. Uh, well, I call it a cult, and it's creating so many injuries, and I've, get, I've got a lot of clients coming to me, recurring injuries all the time, and I'm treating them soft, you know, with my soft tissue work. Uh, and ethically, they keep because they keep coming back to me with the same things, and they're giving me their money. Um, I sometimes think I'm, I feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> I don't know whether I should be guilty taking other people's money when I'm providing my service, but then they keep coming back with the same issues, and 
I'm trying to tell them diplomatically not to, you know, that CrossFit maybe isn't the best thing for their body and they're doing things they're not prepared for. But, um, yeah, ethically, how do you deal with those things? Yeah, you, you guys, ethics, I suppose, in that regard. Ethics is an individual decision. I'm going to tell you what I do, but I'm not telling you what you need to do. Um, if I can't help someone, I'll tell them that straight away. And for me, uh, client relationship is, is a relationship. It's not just um, you take on anyone. So this is what I do. Um, if someone said to me, I've got an injury, and I said, okay, well, what, I'm going to learn about it. And, and then I learn that they're doing CrossFit. I tell them I can't help them. Come back and see me when they finish CrossFit and they quit. And we've had that down, go down multiple times. Uh, probably some of my coaches were with me. I did that for a, with a, a young man in, um, in America who two years later came back and now loves the, the book of muscle. But I basically, Rick, I, I wouldn't work with anyone in CrossFit. Full stop. You do CrossFit, can't help you. Yeah. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to me when you quit CrossFit. And if I, if I made that statement publicly, I'd probably end up with a, with a lawsuit from you know, whatever Greg, whoever who, who who's, who's an incredible marketer. Full respect to the machine that they've created there in CrossFit. Like, you know, there's some great things they've done there, especially in the protection of intellectual property. He's just a wizard at it. But that's my position on CrossFit. Uh, if anyone else want to have any, any guidance for um, Rick, but I, I would just refuse. I personally don't want to know about it. You know, so you know, she, yeah. can't help you. If you want to hurt yourself, you don't need me. You don't need me to help you hurt yourself. And I had that conversation recently, about two weekends ago with her wife of an athlete I worked with 10, 15 years ago and she is a former athlete and she just couldn't believe my attitude but um, that's the way it goes. Anyone else with a comment on CrossFit for Rick? Um, well, uh, yeah, this is Mike. Uh, I do I do the body work and stuff and I actually use a line that I learned from Ian a couple of years ago which was um, I, I think that they're just they just really uh, misinterpret the lifts and the workouts and the programming that they're doing and um, I just don't work with them either. And from a business perspective, uh, it's actually the best thing that's ever happened in my business because they've um, a lot of the people that I shoot them straight with and use that line, which I just can't work with you. I just they've just mis they're misinterpreting the the lifts. Um, a lot of them have chosen to hire me for uh, for coaching. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah, I, Go ahead. In, I, in my circle, like my parking lot, within a mile, there's probably over eight different CrossFits. Um, I will, I will tell you in the last five years, there's been, um, they probably go in and out of business every, you know, every other year. But, um, I think what's really interesting is I think there's one of the things that we learn from CrossFit is the culture that they've created. And if we can do that with better education, it's a huge value. Um, it is scary though, that that's what's driving the market um, because that's the education of our consumer. Um, it has made my business probably more successful because we handle a lot of their injuries. Um, nothing that I would love to promote, frankly, but I do think that there's a lot of value of um, showing how big of a gap um, you are versus that. Let me make some feedback for you, Rick. So yeah. on the subject of, of uh, physical therapy, and I, I don't, I'm not going to open this Pandora's box to any great extent, but we've been at it for a while, so I feel it would be um, appropriate or inappropriate for me if I didn't, uh, it would be remiss of me if I didn't just bring the attention that, for me, the model of physical therapy is flawed. 
and generally not one that I endorse. Um, but, you know, that's a whole new can of worms that we don't need to open here. But there's a lot of fundamental things about the physical therapy disciplines that we do differently. Yep. Which is, and it's not, it's not always easy for someone to understand if they come in from that bias. And I know so Victor Chan is now level six, started level six a month ago. Victor came in from that bias as well, Victor. So without really getting too deep on it, Victor, was it a bit of a culture shock, the, our different approach? Uh, yes, it was. And to be honest, uh, until I got, um, got to a certain level of competency, I really didn't see the value in what, uh, KSI was providing. Okay. So a little bit of my background in body works, uh, I am massage therapist trained. I used to do ART and I used to do dry needling as well. So, so quite a bit of body works and end up, I found that, yeah, those things were not serving people. They just coming back with the same injuries. Wow. So, yeah. And, uh, after I got, Higher up in uh, the KSI levels and I committed my studies to KSI. I realized that, um, the best way to serve them is just to do what works. <laughs> and, uh, right now I do not, uh, I do not really employ those tools anymore. Um, and because of my, uh, increased ability to communicate better and to influence as compared to when I first started, um, usually the clients, those who want to help themselves, they, they make the right choices. Yeah, so that's that's the story. Thank you, Victor. Just a lot of parallels in your journey. Without, as I said, without getting too deep on it, it's a whole different subject, uh, and it's just part of the bigger picture. Mike Killer. Well, I just wanted to input on physical therapy. One of the things that I integrated since our our uh, weekend in LA was, uh, you know, I have a you know a daily wellness you know text that I send my athletes, and I incorporated from your you know from your your. Uh, advice uh you know joint pain you know ankle knee do you have any and that one thing alone is just the feedback i've gotten from athletes that they can you know inform me of and the way we're able to attack any kind of problem before it becomes a major issue has been you know a pretty uh, has been an eye-opening experience for both Myself as a coach and I think for my athletes, you know, just that individualized, like John was talking about attention to someone with a, with an, uh, some joint pain that maybe we can address earlier with just some really basic things. I mean, we're not talking about anything very advanced is it, it shows a depth of care that I think has, has made a difference. And I think that's an important, you know, part of what your, your, your teachings are going on is that individualized care and how it can be simply input. Absolutely. And I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you're putting this and getting the results that I would have expected. So where our attitude is that if we identify a niggle, we'll resolve within 24 hours and never be anything more than that. Because we always get the messages from the body. Uh, but uh, therapy is is an intrinsic decision to heal oneself. Uh, the external contribution is a guide, but not the not the main vehicle. So there's great to hear the, the you've taken action on that, Mike. Very impressed. Um, I, I, working with a, uh, a national league uh, female athlete in Australia, who and I won't name the sport because, as you know, I, I don't typically mention sports, gold medalists or otherwise. I just keep it very vague. Um, for their for their um, privacy, and they get a uh, questionnaire every day, their recovery questionnaire, 
but <laughs> she's realised it doesn't change the training load at all, and there's no individualisation at all in any aspect of the training. Full stop. Um, so I have to let, have to have a giggle, and you know what I'm getting at. Okay, so we've had some great dialogue. Um, always one to service more than you expect. So if there was another question, we'll deal with it. Any question at all, but I'm running the panel up and down to see whether we get a hand up. I'd say we've probably exhausted the attention span of many so far. So in the interest of your attention span, we will wrap with that. I want to commend those who came on the program. And I'd like to think this means that you're serious about your future and that you appreciate that we can help you if that's a path you want to take. Because there's a lot of people that could have been on this than aren't. And you can't help someone who doesn't uh, have a question. You know, put their hand up. They can't really be helped. So a big pat the back to those who are on the call today. I trust it's been valuable. And no doubt we'll be crossing paths in whatever way in the, in the near future. So uh, for level five coaches above all, I'll have to retake a line. So give me five after the call for doing that. And for everyone else, again, thank you. And we will yeah, thank you for your exposure. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks gentlemen. Privilege. Thank you. And Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.